0: Good morning. Let's stand together and worship. Your word stands firm through the fire in the flood. When
1: the world crashes down on us, you will hold us by the power of your love, your word. Yeah. Gives it you.
0: grateful for that reality His promises never change the word of the Lord stands firm forever His goodness, His love toward us it is well with my soul when peace like a
1: river attendeth my way when sorrow Amen. I...
0: Aren't you grateful for that reality this morning? That it can be well with our soul, no matter what we're going through. Hey, welcome to Fellowship um, this morning, Fellowship Bentonville. Welcome to you, Fellowship Bentonville, all you who call this place home. We know the church is a people, not a place, so welcome to you. Um, if you are new or your guest this morning, we're so glad you're with us. And uh, we hope that you can get connected with, some, with a friendly face at some point before you get out of here. Um, and I, this is my prayer for you this morning, is that it would be well with your soul. Whether you are new to us, new, new to this Jesus thing, or if you've been around for a long time, you've been resting in the finished work of Christ for a long time, uh, that you would taste it afresh this morning. The peace joy, the fruit of the Spirit that can come in looking to Jesus. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12, um, 1 through 3, where the writer says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's the key. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him. Think about it. This God-man who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, how do we not grow weary and lose heart? How do we persevere? What does it tell us to do? Keep our eyes on Jesus, consider him. I also am thinking back a song. Remember the lyric, Thou, thou hast taught me to say it is well? I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about it. Jesus is our Savior and Lord, first and foremost, but do you know that He is also our teacher? Have you ever thought of Jesus as your teacher? This is the invitation to look to him as teacher. God, Jesus, will you show me what God is like? Will you show me how to live a life that can persevere with the fruit of the spirit? Peace, joy, all of that. So this morning I wanna introduce a song. It's called Behold Him. And the whole idea is to just put our eyes on Jesus The scriptures say that he is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. So we're just going to behold him this morning um, through what we sing, what we pray. We're going to have some scripture read over us. And my encouragement is just look, look with the eyes of your heart and say, Jesus, God, help me behold you in the face of Jesus this morning. So let's sing this song over you and then you know next week i expect you to sing it with us okay
2: do our scripture reading a little differently this morning, and because we're doing something different, I wanted to kind of give you a heads up so you won't panic You can relax, okay? I want to introduce you to kind of an ancient way of reading scripture. It's called contemplative reading, and, and essentially it just involves taking time to thoughtfully engage the scripture, to give God space to speak to us through his word. And because this is different, I'm going to tell you in advance how we're going to do it. Uh, Dick and Connie Nervig are going to be reading through John chapter 9 twice with us. The first time, I just want you to listen. There won't be any words on the screen. I'm not inviting you to read along your Bible. I just want you to listen if it helps to close your eyes so you can focus. I just want you to listen and try to put yourself in the story. Think about what the setting was. Think about... um, what's going on, and who's speaking. And the point is to just let the Spirit of God speak to you through the Word of God. So when then Dick and Connie have finished reading through it the first time, we're going to sit for about a minute in silence, and that's the part that's going to be really awkward for you. So I just want to tell you up front, but let me me give you a picture of why we're doing that, And, and Seth is the one who gave me this picture. He said, you know, when you have a a jar of water that's kind of muddy and you, sit it, you set it down and you let it settle and it becomes clearer. And that's what I want us to do. As the word of God is read over us and we've heard, I want us to sit for about a minute and just let it settle and see what God is saying to us. So let me pray and then we'll move forward. God, as we draw near to you now, will you draw near to us? Speak, Lord, for your children are listening. Hear now the word of the Lord.
3: As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went, and washed, and came back seeing.
4: The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? some said it is he others said no but he is like him he kept saying i am the man so they said to him then how were your eyes opened he answered the man called jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me go to siloam and wash so i went and washed And received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know.
3: They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes And I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet.
4: Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him.
3: So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing that I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. And we know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we know, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it ever been heard that anyone opened the eyes of the man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him you were born in utter sin and would you teach us and they cast him out
4: Jesus heard that they had cast him out and after and having found him he said do you believe in the son of man he answered and who is he sir that I may believe in him Jesus said to him you have seen him and it is he Who is speaking to you? He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains.
2: This time as we read through, there's, the scripture is going to be on the screen. I invite you to, to read along in your Bibles or on your devices or whatever. If you have something that you want to take notes with, uh, this would be a good time to do that or just underline in your Bible, it's okay. God doesn't mind if you mark in your Bible, uh, but underline in your Bible. Here's what I want you to think about. Um, as you read and listen, what is standing out to you? Is there a word or a phrase that just catches your attention? Is there a question or a statement that just kind of grabs you? Note those or underline them or, or write a note out to the side and then write down your thoughts. What is God saying to you? What is God bringing to your mind as you read and hear the scripture again? So again, again, Hear the word of the Lord.
3: As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing.
4: The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know.
3: They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, I put mud in my eyes, I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet.
4: The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight And asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him.
3: So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have already told you, and you would not listen. Why why do you want to hear it again? "'Do you want to become his disciples?' And they reviled him, saying, "'You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. "'We know that God has spoken to Moses, "'but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from.' "'The man answered, "'Why, why, this is an amazing thing. "'You do not know where he comes from, "'yet he opened my eyes.'" We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it it been heard that anyone that opened the, the eyes of a man born blind, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out.
4: Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains.
2: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if we were in a community group right now, I'd probably uh, pitch it out there and say, okay, so you guys share with me what, uh, what you saw or what you heard, and, and we'd have some really good discussion." It's a little too many people to have a community group right now, so here's what I want you to do. Talk about it on your way home. When you gather with your community group this week or next, or when you gather with your discipleship group or your Bible study, talk about these things. Bring them up. Share them. And and just work through what has God said to you uh, through His Word today. I've been asked before a little bit about... uh, my, my preparation for teaching, and I won't go into all the details of what I do, but one of the things that I do is uh, weeks before it's time for me to teach, I begin to read through the, the passage of Scripture that I'm teaching every day. And uh, for this particular time, I also, for the last at least three weeks, I have listened to it every day for about three weeks. And as I have sat and listened to this word being read over me. I've, I've just said, okay, Lord, what do what you want to tell me? Now, it's a whole lot easier for me to go, Lord, what do you want to tell them? These people, they really need something from you. But to sit under it and say, Lord, what are you telling me? And so uh, I've narrowed it down to about four pages of notes. Actually, it's fewer than that. So rather than what we normally do is we walk through a passage of Scripture and kind of just uh, do an exposition of the passage, what I'm going to do is, is just share with you three things that God spoke to me out of these Scriptures. And, and hopefully he'll use something to kind of trigger some thoughts in you as well. Number one, I felt God speaking to me about the deconstruction of my view of suffering. The story begins and the disciples and Jesus are walking out of the temple area and they walk past this man who's, who's begging because he's blind and he's unable to, to work and do something to, to provide for himself in that culture. And so as they're walking by, the disciples ask a question. Now, just a little side note, I found it interesting. Um, the blind man sitting here listening to them talk about him and they're not talking to him. I mean, you can imagine how he's going, uh, guys, I'm right here. I can hear everything you're saying. And here's what the disciples said. Who sinned so that this man would be born blind? Who sinned? Was it his parents or was it him? And what they're really digging into is they're revealing their view of suffering, and, and the view they had of suffering at that time was pretty common, and it boils down to this. If you're a good person, good things happen to you. If you're a bad person, bad things happen to you. Now, that idea is not entirely wrong. The Bible clearly teaches us that uh, actions have consequences, and that if we do wrong things, then we can have negative consequences. And if we do right things, then we can have positive consequences. The Bible does teach that. But the problem is they had turned it around and they pressed it in too hard. And this is the, the, the prevailing view of that day is if something bad has happened to you, you must have sinned. But just pause and, and think about the weight of guilt and shame of living with that view of life and suffering. Because something bad has, maybe is, or certainly will happen to you. It will. You will suffer at some point. And and if your view of suffering is wrapped around like these disciples that if something bad happened, I surely must have done something to deserve it. The weight of that just sits on you. That was the culture that this blind man was sitting there begging in. and He was reminded again by the disciples of Jesus, of all people, that this thing somehow must have been his fault. Now, when I read about uh, these things, I'm really quick to say, boy, those disciples, they are just thick. Do they not get it? But as I sat under the word of God and the spirit of God began to speak to me, he said, how different are you? You see, I live life from a perspective, if I'm not careful of thinking, you know, if I do all the right things, If I behave the right way, if I keep myself away from the bad things, if I develop the right disciplines and practices in my life, then my life will probably be pretty good and pretty easy because I expect God will bless me for that. And I realize I am living this philosophy that the disciples are talking about. Or as I look back on my life when, when very difficult things uh, had come into my life and and I remember a particular one, one particular time just sitting there saying, God, what did I do? How did I mess up? Where did I go wrong for all of this to be crashing down around me? And I realize I'm not much different from those disciples, am I? And God wants to deconstruct and rebuild my view of suffering. And it is that very view that Jesus addresses when he says, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Not everything bad that happens is a direct result of something bad that somebody did. But we get caught up in the why. We want to know, why did this happen? Why did this happen? My friend, Dr. Gary Oliver, uh, who from John Brown University is also a member of fellowship, he says we almost never get an answer to the why question. When we ask why bad things happen, we almost never get an answer. He says the better question is not why, but what. What is God showing me and doing in me through this? And that's what Jesus says to his disciples. It's not because of the sin, the why, but what? That the works of God might be displayed in him. He's saying to them, forget about the why. I want you to know God's about to do something here. He's about to show himself here. God chooses to step into our suffering. So whatever your suffering is, I may not be able to tell you the why, but I can tell you he wants to show who he is and what he is like in that experience of suffering. <clears throat> I heard something that stuck with me through the years. That has helped me when I realized my view of suffering has kind of moved off of the scriptures. And and so here are some things I wish I could tell you who... who uh, who said this first or who wrote this first. It's been probably 30 years ago that I heard it. But here's, the Bible, first of all, teaches us that all sufferers are sinners. And so if you want to say, whose fault is it? Uh, Well, it's Adam and Eve's fault. Let's blame them, and I'm really hacked at them, okay? Suffering comes because we live in a broken world, and the world is broken because of sin. And so we, because we live in a broken world, sometimes people are born blind. And sometimes accidents happen. And sometimes people, they get sick and die. And sometimes life doesn't turn out the way you thought it would or hoped it would. And sometimes it's just because all sufferers are sinners. But the second thing the Bible teaches is some sufferers are saints. Perhaps the oldest book, as far as the one oldest written book of the Bible, is probably the book of Job. And the whole story of Job is the story of a saint who suffered. And By the way, even all the way back in Job's day, remember his friends were saying, yeah, you must have done something wrong to deserve this Job. And even Job said, what did I do wrong to deserve this? But the point was, some sufferers are saints. And then we move into the New Testament and we read the letter of Peter where he says, you know, as a matter of fact, sometimes you're going to suffer because you are a saint. It is possible that you will experience suffering simply because you are being obedient to the Lord, because you are following him. That in and of itself may bring suffering to you. But the most important thing the Bible teaches us about suffering is that one sufferer was a savior that into this broken world of sin that brings suffering on us, God himself in the person of Jesus Christ stepped into that world and took on our suffering, and he himself suffered in order to save us. In our suffering, we're not alone. So when you say, where is God when it hurts? Where is Jesus in my suffering? The answer is he's right there with you. And he is the one that promises that he is making it right. The second thing that that God spoke to me in this passage is he spoke to me about the danger of what I call presumptive theology. When you read the interaction between the Pharisees and this man who had been healed, uh, something about the Pharisees gets revealed really quickly. In verse 16, we see they had already made up their mind that Jesus had to be a sinful man. He says, this man is not from God. They just began with that that assumption. They presumed he could not be from God. You know why? Because he does not keep the Sabbath. And I would put at the end of that, the way we think he should. God couldn't possibly use him. He's a sinner. He doesn't keep the Sabbath according to our interpretation of the law. In fact, as you, go, as you continue to read the, the interaction, they had to even do some mental and spiritual gyrations to try to explain what happened. Because here's their thought. This man can't be from God, therefore he couldn't have healed this man. So now we have to find an explanation. Their first explanation was, well, the guy really wasn't blind. Because they even called the parents in and said, we don't really believe he was blind. Was he really blind? And they said, yes, he was blind from birth. So they couldn't deal with that. So then they brought the guy in and they said, okay, come on, give glory to God, which means fess up. Come on, tell the truth. How did this really happen? It couldn't have been him. They thought he was making the story up that Jesus didn't really heal him. And when that approach didn't work, they decided just to go ahead and attack the character of Jesus and the character of the blind man to make them feel better about themselves. He's a sinner. God couldn't use him. You were born in utter sin. Get out of here. And all of that was rooted in this one truth, They were very quick to say, God would never. Well, God would never use a sinful man. God would never heal somebody on the Sabbath. And it all had to do with their view of the Sabbath. So I did a quick read of what the Bible says about the laws of the Sabbath. And they're actually pretty few and pretty simple. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor On the seventh day you shall rest. And that pretty much sums it up. And yet, by Jesus' day, these Pharisees and the people who had preceded them had come up with a stack of hundreds of rules about the Sabbath, of what you could and could not do. And in their mind, to heal somebody of anything, because Jesus ran into this problem in other situations, to heal somebody of anything, that was work. And you can't work on the Sabbath. And therefore, God would not do that. So it couldn't have been God. And their their view of God was so narrow and so rigid that they missed the work of God right in front of them. I want you to imagine with me a scenario. This is not a, it didn't really happen. It's not in scripture. It's a pretend moment that just I thought was interesting. So let's imagine that this man in our story meets another man that Jesus had healed from blindness, because Jesus healed other people from blindness as well. And the conversation goes something like this. I was blind and Jesus healed me. No kidding. Me too. Oh, well, then tell me about it. Well, he put his hand on my eyes and I could see. Wait, no mud? You didn't have to wash your eyes in a pool? Nope. Well, that couldn't have been Jesus because that's not how he heals blind people. Are there times where I am too quick to say God would never, and because of that, I fail to see the work of God? He doesn't work the way I expect him to. He doesn't work the way I thought he would. He doesn't work the way I think he should. And so I miss what he's doing because he doesn't fit my presumptions of what he should and shouldn't do or can and can't do. So if you ever hear yourself saying God would never think long and hard about what you say next because scripture basically boils it down to two things. God would never do anything that is contrary to his character or that contradicts his word. If there is such a thing as an all-powerful, all-powerful, omniscient, sovereign being, if there is a God, we don't get to tell him what he can and can't do. We don't get to make up the rules. He's the sovereign God. He's the one that makes the rules, and he has put those parameters on himself. And those are the only parameters he has put on himself. So have I missed the work of God because it didn't look like I thought it would? The third thing that that God spoke to me about this is the deception of spiritual blindness. The miracle of healing this man's eyes was incredible. In fact, this man said, and, and, and I just thought it really jumped out at me, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind? There were a lot of miracles in the Old Testament. Not one was the healing of a blind person. Not until Jesus came on the scene do we have any record or any, any records of anybody healing someone from blindness. So it was not insignificant. It was incredible. But it's not the greatest miracle of the story. Remember what Jesus said was the reason for the man's blindness? That God may put his glory on display. That he may reveal himself in this this situation of darkness, in this culture that had missed him. That God would show himself who he is and what he's like. And so the real weight of the story is found in the last six verses. Where Jesus goes and he says he found, he realizes that he, they'd cast him out and so he goes and finds the man and he asks him a question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And you may read that and go, that is an interesting question. Why would he ask that? In Jesus' day, the term Son of Man was, was interchangeable with the Messiah. And he comes to this man and he says, do you trust, do you put your hope in faith In the one that God promised would come? Are you trusting in the Messiah? And the man said, who is he? So that I can trust him. And look at Jesus' answer. He could have said, it's me. And he actually does. But look what he says first. You have seen him. You have seen him. It wasn't with his physical eyes that Jesus was talking about. He was saying... God has revealed himself to you in what just happened. The greatest miracle is not when God fixes our circumstances. I don't need God to fix my circumstances. He will fix them one day. And Lord haste the day when the face shall be sight. I look forward to that day. What I need God to fix is me. I need him to fix my heart. I need him to open my eyes. I need him to reveal himself to me day in and day out. I need him to fix me. That's the miracle that I need that God revealed to me. Jesus closes with this statement. I came for judgment so that the blind can see and the seeing can become blind for years as I've read this, I, I, I thought that the judgment was for those that they were you know, the seeing people, that God would make them blind. That was his judgment. But then I looked at the question the Pharisee said, are we also blind? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. And it just dawned on me, perhaps when God takes me, when I think that I can see and shows me that I'm blind, That's actually a work of grace. When God reveals my need for him. That's when he can come in and do a work of grace in my heart. And the judgment was when the blind people who think they can see. Refuse to admit that they're blind. I find this. Reinforced in 2 Corinthians. We're told that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, which is what Jesus said. The whole purpose of this man's blindness was so God could show himself to this blind man, to the disciples and to everybody else in the whole story. So the story begins with the disciples saying, how has sin caused this this man to be blind? And it ends with Jesus saying, blindness is actually what keeps us trapped in our sin. So I want to give you some questions to think about. They're pretty simple. But just some things to think about. um, As the worship team comes, we're going to sing an old hymn together. Do you need Jesus to change your view of suffering? Or have you missed God's work because it didn't look like what you were expecting? Are you still trapped in your spiritual darkness because you won't admit that you're blind and you need Jesus to give you sight?
5: stand together as we sing of God's amazing grace for us.
2: as we close this morning I want you to meet some friends of ours so if you guys want to come on up this is the Stottles and the Alms and they are our Coastlands team they live and work in uh, Southeast Asia and they are here uh, just for a little while but we wanted to want you to see them and know them because these are people we love, support encourage uh, you're going to be seeing and hearing from and about them quite a bit over the, over the times to come and they're hosting, the, immediately after services, they are hosting a, a lunch for anybody who wants to come and, and hear more about what God's doing, where they live, okay? But I want you to see their faces. This is Bobby and Beth and Beth and Eric. If you're a woman and on this team, you have to be named Beth. They change your name. But uh, I want you to know them if you don't already. Uh, take a moment to meet them after services. Join them for the lunch. Uh, but I've asked them just to come so you can see them. And then, Bobby, would you just pray? Uh, for us as we dismiss it for again for those of you if you need prayer after our services the dervings Dur- are going to be over here uh, and we'd love to pray with you pray for you okay Bobby, would you leave us yeah and we'll be in the great room if you in the can. great You're room right, 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 yes across. over there
6: uh we've been praying uh second, second, it's four. so let me just uh read out what it says as our prayer he says paul says for we do not proclaim ourselves but jesus christ is lord and ourselves as our slaves for jesus sake for God who said, let shine light shine out of darkness is the one who shine in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Christ. So Lord, would you reveal to us those times where our suffering, where our own theology, where our own spiritual blindness can come into play. Lord, and then that your revelation of truth in our lives and the truth of who Jesus is in our lives would be enough for us to just to proclaim your goodness and your glory to the people around us that as we walk out of these doors that um, you who have given us this story would be able to tell your story to others and that others would become into sight we love you thank you amen
2: amen you are dismissed